eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. Glory be unto your name, for you have been good to us in giving us this privilege of life which we don't deserve. Father, when we consider our sins and our iniquities, we know that we do not deserve life. It is your mercy and your love displayed that gives us life. Lord, we want to be loyal and faithful to you. For you are our God and you are our Lord. And you deserve all loyalty, fidelity and faithfulness. Therefore, we pray, please grant to us of your spirit even now as we fellowship with you that your spirit shall help us to rightly divide the word of truth and that we will learn something more about our Lord and our character shall be fashioned into yours. I commit myself to you, Lord, as one who doesn't have anything that can be said to bless anyone. I pray, Lord, I know you want to reach your children and use me as a vessel, I pray. For the sake of our Lord Jesus that died on the cross of Calvary, please put words in my mouth that will bless every one of us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 10 Master and Servant Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Philemon chapter 1 verse 16 Among those who gave their hearts to God, through the labors of Paul in Rome was Onesimus, a pagan slave who had wronged his master, Philemon, a Christian believer in Colossae, and had escaped to Rome. In the kindness of his heart, Paul sought to relieve the poverty and distress of the wretched fugitive, and then endeavored to shed the light of truth into his darkened mind. Onesimus listened to the words of life, confessed his sins, and was converted to the faith of Christ. Paul counseled him to return without delay to Philemon, beg his forgiveness, and plan for the future. The apostle promised to hold himself responsible for the sum which Philemon had been robbed. It was a severe test for this servant thus to deliver himself up to the master he had wronged. But he had been truly converted, and he did not turn aside from his duty. Paul's letter to Philemon shows the influence of the gospel upon the relation between master and servant. Slaveholding was an established institution throughout the Roman Empire and both masters and slaves were found in most of the churches for which Paul labored. It was not the apostles' work to overturn arbitrarily or suddenly the established order of society. To attempt this would be to prevent the success of the gospel, but he taught principles which struck at the very foundation of slavery and which, if carried into effect, would surely undermine the whole system. When converted, the slave became a member of the body of Christ, and as such was to be loved and treated as a brother, a fellow heir with his master to the blessings of God and the privileges of the gospel. 
On the other hand, servants were to perform their duties not with thy service as men please us, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 6 Christianity makes a strong bond of union between master and slave, king and subject. They have been washed in the same blood, quickened by the same spirit, and they are made one in Christ Jesus. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Master and Servant. There was a man called Philemon. Philemon was a Christian and a fellow soldier, like or fellow laborer, as Paul would call them. In the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes to him, saying, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So, Philemon is called a fellow laborer in the same extent that Timothy, Mark, Demas, Luke are all called fellow laborers. So here it is that this man, a Christian, is seen by Paul as a fellow laborer and he greets Philemon. The story goes that Philemon had a servant called Onesimus. We can see this was his employee and Onesimus was not a Christian, he was a pagan. And Onesimus played a fast one on Philemon. He cheated him, he duped him, and he ran away with Philemon's money. Now, of course, Onesimus ran away thinking that if he was caught, he would be in danger. But when Onesimus ran away to Rome, it was not well with him. He found himself placed in danger like we read in the devotion that's in conflict and courage to page 350 paragraph 2 it says in the kindness of his heart paul sought to relieve the poverty and distress of the wretched fugitive and then endeavored to shed the light of truth into his darkened mind so even though onesimus stole he was still in poverty he still needed help the money he stole was not able to take him through life. Paul saw him and had mercy on him, preached to him the gospel, and the Bible makes us understand that Onesimus became a Christian just like Paul. Now here it is that a man who was once a servant is now a Christian like his master. What then should be the relation between masters and servants, employees and employers who are of the same faith? That is the question. Paul, first of all, tried to deal with the issue. Before we talk about the relation between master and servant, let us see how Paul dealt with the issue so that we can learn lessons from it. In Philemon chapter 1, reading from verse 8, it says, And so though I might in the name of Christ give you orders to do what is right, still because of love in place of an order, I make a request to you. So Paul is making a request to Philemon. I, Paul, an old man, and now, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, my request is for my child, Onesimus, the child of my chains, who in the past was of no profit to you, but now is of profit to you and to me, whom I have sent back to you, him who is my very heart. Though my desire was to keep him with me, to be my servant in the chains of the good news in your place, but without your approval I will do nothing so that your good works might be might not be forced but done freely from your heart for 
it is possible that for this reason he was parted from you for a time so that you might have him forever no longer as a servant but more than a servant a brother very dear to me especially but much more to you in the flesh as well as in the lord let me stop here for now many important things to read from these few words written by paul paul is writing to philemon and telling philemon you are my fellow laborer and i'm not giving you orders i don't want to give you orders because paul knew that philemon respected him and anything paul tells philemon philemon will do but paul said i'm not talking to you as someone who's giving you orders that's not what i'm doing but rather i want you to do it from your heart i want you to receive onesimus and know now that he is not just that man you knew before who was your employee but he has changed like we read in the devotion conflict and courage page 350 paragraph 2 paul counseled onesimus to return without delay to philemon beg his forgiveness and plan for the future the apostle promised to hold himself responsible for the sum of which philemon had been robbed it was a severe test for this servant thus to deliver himself up to the master he had wronged but he had been truly converted and he did not turn aside from his duty end of quote something very remarkable i see in what paul wrote here is that he made philemon to make the decision because it is very important for us to do this when we are working with people let people make decisions from their heart if they are going to give you anything because in this case onesimus was a fellow laborer with paul and paul was enjoying his stay with onesimus because onesimus being converted now was now helping paul even though paul was a prisoner onesimus was there helping him to do many things he was a comfort to paul but paul sent him back go and meet philemon it was a disadvantage to Paul, but Paul did it. Why? Because he wanted Philemon to do a good deed from his heart. If Onesimus was going to stay with Paul, Paul wanted Philemon to be the one that would make the decision and say, go and stay with Paul. So that it won't look like Paul was a party to the crime of Onesimus. Like, oh, Onesimus stole Philemon's money and you, Paul, you received him. Instead of you to correct him, you received him. So Paul did the right thing by saying, Onesimus, you stole money go back don't stay with me because it will look like paul is um reaping benefits from something terrible that happens to philemon so paul didn't want to make it look like he is re- receiving dividends from what onesimus did but then another thing is that he told philemon something which we should also learn when people wrong us when people do evil to us realize that it could be that it happened for a good reason. Remember Philemon 1 verse 15, Paul told Philemon, For it is possible that for this reason he was parted from you for a time, so that you might have him forever, no longer as a servant, but more, but more than a servant, a brother, very dear to me especially, but much more to you in the flesh as well as in the Lord. You know, it was Paul that wrote in Romans 8 28, for I know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to those who are called according to his promise. The stealing of Philemon's money by Onesimus worked together for good for Philemon. Because if this did not happen, Onesimus would not have run away. He had been under Philemon's care for a long time, but he had never become a Christian. But because he stole Philemon's money, 
Runaway was a fugitive. It created an opportunity for Paul to minister to, to Onesimus and Onesimus changed and became a Christian. So let us not look in a myopic way at the events that happened to us. Paul is saying to Onesimus, uh, to Philemon, look at what is happening here. Don't be myopic about it. It could be that what happened by Onesimus stealing your money happened for your good. That he stole your money for your good. Because if it didn't happen, he wouldn't have run and I wouldn't have met him and I wouldn't have preached to him and he wouldn't have become what he is right now. Because what Onesimus is now is far better than what he was before when he was with you. That's what Paul is saying. So look at it from that perspective and don't look at it from the perspective of Onesimus stole my money. And Paul said to him, receive him. And going on in Philemon 1 verse 17, he says, If then you take me to be your friend and brother, take him in as myself. If he has done you any wrong or is in debt to you for anything, put it in my, to my account. I, Paul, writing this myself, say, I will make payment to you. I do not say to you that you are in debt to me, even for your life. So, brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Give new life to my heart in Christ. Being certain that you will do my desire, I'm writing to you in the knowledge that you will do even more than I say and make room ready for me. For I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be given to you. Amen. So, we've seen how to do some conflict resolution and how to view events that happen to us that are disagreeable in life. For For Philemon, his money was stolen, but Paul counseled him. Don't look at it from the perspective of my money was stolen, but look at it from the perspective that if this did not happen, Onesimus would not have been converted. So something wrong happened to me so that something good can happen to Onesimus and I should be content if I'm a Christian that that was the end of what happened. Now secondly, let us look at the relation of masters and servants. In the book of Ephesians 6 from verse 5, we are told, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men please us, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing a man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So, before we go to masters, this is the instruction given to servants. Even if your master, your employee is a fellow Christian like yourself, do not think that because of that, that you will not give him the due respect that is needed or you will not give him the due reverence that is required and honor. We are told, servants, be obedient to your masters as if you are obeying the Lord. What does that mean? That means you are to obey them when they ask you to do things that are not contrary to the will of God. But when it is something contrary to the will of God, of course, you are to obey God rather than men. But in all things, we are to obey our masters, our employers, even if they are Christians or not Christians, and give a right example of what it means to be a child of God. Now, how are we to obey? We are told, not with eye service as men please us, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And what servants are counseled to do is that they are to work as though they are working for God himself. 
we are told in Ephesians 6 verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So, when you are working for your employee, work as though you are a servant of Christ. So, what does it mean to be a servant of Christ? I want to read something from Review on Herald, September 22, 1891, from paragraph 7 and downward to make us understand this. It's something we learned in devotion we have done a long time ago, but repetition depends impression. Sometimes we may have forgotten it. It says here, how many profess to be the servants of Christ? Because that's what we're looking at. What does it mean to be the servant of Christ when you are working for your employer? Servant of Christ. This is how many profess to be the servants of Christ. But how loath are they to bear reproach and shame for his sake? The cross is not to please self. It lies directly across the path of the pleasure lover and cuts through our carnal desires and selfish inclinations. The cross rebukes all unfaithfulness in your labors. If you bear the cross of Christ, you will not shun responsibilities or burden sharing. If you are abiding in Christ, learning in his school, you will not be rude, dishonest or unfaithful. The cross of Christ cuts to the root of all unholy passions and practices. Whatever the nature of your work, you will carry the principles of Christ into your labor and identify yourself with the task given into your hands. Your interest will be one with that of your employer. If you are paid for your time, you will realize that the time for work is not your own but belongs to the one who pays you for it. If you are careless and extravagant, wasting material, squandering time, failing to be painstaking and diligent, you are registered in the books of heaven as an unfaithful servant. Let me just pause here to explain ways in which this is done. When you are paid your time and for a task, that time to do that task doesn't belong to you, it belongs to your employer. And the materials in your place of work, remember, it's not yours. Be careful how you are using that data. Are you using it for helpful things to the work or are you using it for frivolity? Be careful how you are using your working time. Are you using it for your own personal labor when you have not finished the work that your employer gave you to do? Of course, I'm not saying that there are not times when you have free time even during the time when you are employed and because you are so fast at doing your work, you finished, then you have free time and you can use that for yourself. But when you have not finished the work your employer gave you to do and you are using the data and the time and your energy for something else that is personal when you've not finished your employer's work, then you are being an unfaithful servant and not a servant of Christ. If you are using the materials for personal matters, not matters to develop self to help you become better at your job, but just for your own business, then you are being unfaithful. Well, some will even go as far as stealing from their employers. They take materials that should be used in the office home. And some, when they work for the government, they feel like, oh, we are not accountable. It is national kick. We can do the work haphazardly. When you do this, you are not a servant of Christ. So I'll continue the reading now. It says, Those who are unfaithful in the least of temporal affairs will be unfaithful in responsibilities of greater importance. They will rob God and fail of meeting the claims of the divine laws. Let me stop here. So what does that mean? When we are not faithful to our employers, remember that principle, as long as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Who is it that you are not actually faithful to? It is Jesus. Don't look at it like, oh, it is just a mere man. God is watching how you work with your employer. 
and checking whether he can work with you checking whether you are faithful to him because if you do it to that brethren especially if that person is a child of god if your master your employer is also a christian like yourself a believer in the truth and you are doing that to him then you are doing it unto jesus but even if it is not a believer it is still the same thing because you are revealing the wrong character and god is taking note of it continuing the reading says those who are unfaithful they will not realize that their talents belong to god and should be devoted to his service those who do nothing for their employers except that which is commanded them when they know that the prosperity of the work depends on some extra exertion on their part will fail to be accounted faithful servants there are many things not specified that wait to be done that come directly under the notice of the one employed leaks and losses occur that might be prevented if painstaking diligence and unselfish efforts were, ma- were manifested if the principles of love enjoined upon us by jesus were carried out in the life of those who profess his name but many are working in the cause of god who are registered as i servants it is the most abhorrent form of selfishness that leads the worker to neglect the improvement of time the care of property because he is not directly under the eye of the master but do such workers imagine that their neglects are not noticed their unfaithfulness not recorded could their eyes be opened they would see the, that a watcher looks on and all their carelessness is recorded in the books of heaven those who are unfaithful to the work of god are lacking in principle their motives are not of a character to lead them to choose the right under all circumstances the servants of god are to feel at all times that they are under the eye of their employer he who watched the sacrilegious feast of belshazzar is present in all our institutions in the counting room of the merchant in the private workshop and the bloodless hand is as surely recording your neglect as it recorded the awful judgment of the blasphemous king belshazzar's condemnation was written in words of fire thou art weighed in the balances and had found wanting and if you fail to fulfill your god-given obligations you con- your condemnation will be the same so what we have read so far is saying to us the same thing i've been repeating we must be faithful in our work because god is taking note of it now one other thing that we must have as servants of christ to our employers is this we must be people who are trustworthy who are reliable who they can vouch for and when they want to give responsibilities that are sensitive they should know that i know this person can never steal i know this person will be faithful to the work i'm giving to him that is what a servant of christ should be like so continuing the reading we are told there are many who profess to be christians who are not united with christ their daily life their spirit testifies that christ is not formed within the hope of glory they cannot be depended upon they cannot be trusted they are anxious to reduce their service to the minimum of effort and at the same time exact the highest of wages the name servant applies to every man for we are all servants and it will be well for us to see what mold we are taking on is it the mold of unfaithfulness or of fidelity so let me stop to explain this now this is another mindset being addressed when we have the mindset to do small work for great money we we and we see duties that need to be done we've seen that before leaks and losses but because you feel oh this is not my work then you allow those leaks and losses to take place you are not a faithful servant of christ when you do that to your employer even though your employer has not given you a jurisdiction or you feel that oh this is not my own line of duty 
like we read, there are many works to be done and there are leaks and losses to take note of. But if we are unfaithful, we will not do them feeling like it's not my duty. It's not my duty. That's what people say. We should be self-denying. Self-denial means that we stand at the post of duty, not for the sake of policy, but because there's a work to be done. Lift up responsibilities wherever you can and whenever you can, not for the purpose of applause, not for policy, but for the sake of the master who has given you a work to be done with unwavering fidelity. That's from Testimonies, Volume 4, page 521, paragraph 2. That is the mindset of a true laborer and you should be able to be trusted by those who are working with you. The other thing we should have is thoughtfulness. Even th- what is thoughtfulness? You don't need to be told. There are certain things that need to be done, even if you've not been told, and you have to think about it and then do it. You're continuing the reading I was taking before from Review and Herald, September 22, 1891. It says, Is it not okay? Is it the disposition generally among servants to do as much as possible? Is it not rather the prevalent fashion to slide through the work as quickly, as easily as possible, and obtain the wages at as little cost to themselves as they can? The object is not to be as thorough as possible, but to get the remuneration. Those who profess to be the servants of Christ should not forget the injunction of the Apostle Paul. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men please us, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Those who enter the work as eye servants will find that their work cannot bear the inspection of men or of angels. The thing essential for successful work is a knowledge of Christ, for this knowledge will give sound principles of right, impart a noble unselfish spirit like that of our Savior whom we profess to serve. Faithfulness economy, caretaking, thoroughness should characterize all our work. Wherever we may be, whether in the kitchen, in the workshop, in the office of publication, in the sanitarium, in the college, or wherever we are stationed in the vineyard of the Lord, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much." End of quote. So herein is the responsibility of servants. To the masters in the book of Ephesians 6 verse 9, they are told, if you are an employer, ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Also in Colossians 4 verse 1, employers are addressed, and Paul writes to them, the word of God says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, two instructions here to the masters. Firstly, do not threaten your servants. Don't threaten them. That's what we are told, forbearing threatening. Don't do that. Knowing that you have a master in heaven, you threaten and he also threatens you too. And then secondly, in Colossians 4 verse 1, masters, employers are enjoined. Give to your servants that which is just and equal. In other words, don't ask them to do things that they are not able to do. And do not lay unreasonable burdens upon them that you know is beyond their abilities and their strength. Because that's a problem too. When you give an employee something that they cannot do, it now looks as if they are stubborn. It's, 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 sometimes it's impossible for them to fulfill what their masters are telling them to do and it now looks as if they are being rebellious. But it is because the employer told them to do something that they couldn't do. And then we are told, provide for them what is fit 
give them their due wages don't pay when it is after the time to be that they are supposed to be pay them when it is time to be paid in the book of james chapter 5 reading from verse 1 to 6 there james spoke against the employers the rich he said go to now you rich men because these are employers weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver is conquered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you what was the what was the problem with these people he says in verse 4 behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your field which is of you kept back by fraud cry it and the cries of them which have reaped have entered into the ears of the lord of sabaoth so masters are not to do this do not withhold the wages of your workers by fraud that is what in colossians 4 verse 1 paul is saying give them that which is just and equal also they are to be given the liberties as it is fit for their work for cheerful service and make it easier for them even though they are employed in the lowest offices whether it is in another country or in your own country and even though they have a different religion from yourself and what is the reason that paul gives for this he says remember that you have a master which is in heaven you who are an employer or a master of other people remember that you are also a servant of another person the way you treat your employees your servants you are also saying that that's how you want god to treat you so if you're an employee or a master remember that whatever you measure to your employees you are just deciding what you want your master in heaven to decide for you you threaten them then you are saying that it is okay for the lord to threaten you remember that with what judgment you judge you shall also be judged you are not lords or masters of yourselves you are accountable to somebody that is above you so you must deal with your servants and your employees as you expect god to deal with you and as those who believe if you are a christian you are going to give an account remember whether you are a christian or not actually you remember that you are a servant to the lord so here it is that the lord has given us the relation between masters and servants both in the christian sphere and not in the christian sphere there's something else that peter said first peter 2 verse 18 peter said servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the forward so it's not just about having a christian employee like philemon and onesimus were but even if you have a master that is not of the same faith as yourself we are told be subject to them except of course when you are told to do things that are not in harmony with god's will be subject to your employee and to your master and masters remember however you treat your servants that's how god is going to treat you so let us all of us realize these things servants you are working unto god if you are unfaithful to your masters then your unfaithfulness is unto god masters if you are unjust to your servants then god be this give you the same judgment that you gave to your servants may the lord give us grace to have the spirit of christ in our workplaces whether we are employers or employees to the end that we will be truly servants of christ because even masters are servants of christ all of us are servants to one degree or another that may the lord give us the grace that we will stand out be trustworthy people reliable people faithful people and do the work of the lord wherever we find ourselves let us pray thank you dear father for the words that you have given to us today to encourage us have we been unfaithful servants in the past please father forgive us have we used time that was supposed to be for our employers wrongly in a way that 
was not supposed to be used please forgive us and have mercy upon us have we used their materials for things that should not have it should not have been used for have mercy upon us and forgive us and help us to be truly servants of christ to have the mind of christ and work as though we are serving the lord himself and if we are masters help us lord to judge righteously and to give our employees that which is just and good that we also may receive the same of our lord thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in jesus name i've prayed amen